my bar is always set high. I want to build the largest acai bowl concept in the country, period. And if I can be the largest in the world, I'll take that too. So that's my goal. Do that though. You got to be willing to put your money where your mouth is. You know, I'm willing to go buy a factory. I'm willing to produce my own store bay. If that's what it takes. And believe me, when you're moving the kind of volume that, that we're doing today and you take that and multiply it by five or 10X, you could easily have your own sorbet factory, no problem. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Peter Ton, the co-founder and CEO of Nautical Bulls. Peter has been in the franchise industry for the last 25 years and previously grew Snap Fitness from zero to 2,500 locations and a multi-hundred million dollar private equity exit. He's now leading and developing Nautical Bulls, a new acai bowl concept that already has over 50 locations and 100 plus more in development. If you're interested in learning from Peter and all his experience and what he's up to with Nautical Bulls, you're going to enjoy this episode. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek, and Wolfpack franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Finding meaningful work is important. Home Clean Heroes is a franchise with a positive mission to donate a portion of every cleaning fee to first responders. And currently, they're looking for business-savvy owners to help expand their locations. If being part of something bigger than yourself drives you, then this is a business opportunity you simply can't refuse. Go to homecleanheroesfranchise.com to learn more. That's homecleanheroesfranchise.com for more information. I kind of want to work my way up to where you're at now with Nautical Bulls and how you got into that. But you know, you've had quite a career in franchising. So I know you started officially at Snap Fitness back in the early 2000s. And that was obviously a very successful franchise. But before then, I think you were in the fitness space before that. So, you know, what was your journey to that point? Look, you know what? I'd hit a, and I love visiting about it because I think people knowing where I came from, it gives context to how long the journey can actually be. So, for me, literally 35 years ago, I was, my break came when I was in my early 20s to turn around a failing health club. That was my shot. And it was a club that was losing a couple hundred grand a year in a relatively small town here in Minnesota, my hometown where I grew up. And anyway, I had an opportunity to turn around this failing club. And the owners of this business said, hey, Peter, we'd like you to manage this club. Here's the deal. If you can turn this thing around, we'll let you buy us out with the profits. That's how fed up they were of this business. Okay, They were feeding it a couple hundred thousand a year. There was five owners. They were over it. To be honest with you, the mistake that they made is they never gave me, they never put a ceiling on how much equity I could acquire. They probably thought it was a complete Hail Mary. And you make a long story short, over the next eight years, I was able to acquire enough equity in that business to where I had a controlling interest. And that was my launch, but I didn't know at that time that that was going to be the catalyst behind building one of the largest wellness brands in the world. But I tell people all the time, look, opportunity, it doesn't knock, it it whispers. And depending on where you're at is where you 
you know, in my case, I had no plan B. So that's where I, I went to. And it, it worked out. I went on from there to, I took a controlling interest in that business, refinanced it. Then over the next 12 years, I added seven more clubs to that. So I'd been in that space. That brand was called America's Fitness Centers. I had seven locations. I sold them after 20 years. I had about $3 million in the bank, but that was actually just seed money for me to start Snap Fitness. And Snap Fitness was, you know, the, I built that into an absolute beast over, I'm still the largest single shareholder of Snap Fitness and Lyft brands, but, uh, you know, that was my launch pad. That little club in Little Wilmer, Minnesota, that's where it all started. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. What was the thought process behind? I mean, theoretically, right, you probably could have unified maybe the America's fitness centers into one brand and franchise that, but why sell it? And then just kind of, I mean, naturally, right, you had some seed capital, as you mentioned, but why do you did have to probably start over from scratch? Was there like things that you were like, ah, if I can start from scratch, I'll do them differently? Or what was the main motivation? For me, and I tried to, it's an interesting point you bring up or an interesting question. My clubs at the time for 20 years were called America's Fitness Centers. And when I decided that I was going to try to franchise something, I called it actually America's 24-Hour Fitness. That's what I called it. That was my first store, America's 24-Hour Fitness. It didn't take me long. I had my, and I built three stores as I was testing the model. Keep in mind, for 20 years, I had these full service, big clubs, swimming pools, racquetball courts, group fitness classes, the whole gamut. Then I built this watered down version, which was none of that expensive overhead stuff. I just focused on cardio, strength, and selectorized equipment. And, you know, the footprint was, you know, 15% of the size and literally a tenth of the cost. But it didn't take me long. Once I had three locations open, I got served a notice from 24-Hour Fitness, you know, the large publicly traded company. They sent me a cease and desist. And so that forced me to change my name. And I did. I changed it to Snap Fitness. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. When I changed the name, now keep in mind, I had three locations. At the time, I didn't know that I was going to build one of the largest wellness brands in the world. Obviously, I didn't know. Okay. I had 20 years of experience in the health and wellness space. I felt confident that I knew what was relevant in the eyes of the consumer. I knew that the product that I had had merit. I knew that from just trial and error, the first club I built that was of that smaller footprint, I realized it wasn't going to be for everyone. But I also understood that for about 70% of the population, that was anything anyone was going to need to get fit. And I had no contracts. So my, my go to battle cry was, try my business, no contracts. If I can't earn your business, earn your trust, you just cancel your membership. It's that simple. So I didn't shackle people to a 12 or 18 month contract. I earned their business every month. And that resonated. That resonated with the general public. And that's just a good word to your audience out there. And look, you, know, you don't have to go out and create something that's never been seen before. There was all kinds of 24 hour keyless entry clubs everywhere. Think about it. The hotel industry has been doing it for 50 years. You use your room key, you go into a hotel, you go into the gym at the hotel, you work out. It's not staffed. You get in, you grab your workout, you go back to your room. All I did was take that concept and bring it to doorsteps across America. It was already there. I just utilized it in a different light. And your audience should understand that, that look, sometimes take ideas that are set in traditional, you know, view of the consumer, just take that and 
pull it out and launch it in a different space, a different category. And that's exactly what I did. And it took off like wildfire, like absolute wildfire. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I see exactly what you mean, right? <laughs> if you're staying in a hotel, yeah, you can work out literally at any point 24 uh, seven, as long as you're actually, you know, paying for a room there. So uh, that's a very interesting framework. I'm going to have to go deeper into that offline. But so the SNAP model, if I was to walk into one, you don't have to pay a full year membership. Is it monthly? It's month to month. Like, so I can cancel after a month if I want to, or do I get like a free workout at first or? Yeah. Well, look, you know, it's a, the industry as a whole has evolved dramatically. I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about 20 years ago now. Okay. So 20 years ago, when I went into the market, with my new product, I had to be a market maker. So what does that mean? It means I needed to, number one, believe in my product. I had to believe that the consumer saw the same thing I saw, okay? You got to be careful about that as an entrepreneur because sometimes you can be guilty of smoking your own exhaust, right? You've got to understand what is the consumer looking for. And I thought that I had enough value in my product to go to market with it. And my hunch was right. My go-to-battle cry was, now keep in mind, this is 20 years ago. My go-to-battle cry was, your membership, it's less than $30 a month. You pay it on a month-to-month -month basis, no contract. I got to earn your business, earn your trust. You belong to one, you belong to them all. And I tell them, hey, look, if you're looking for childcare, climbing walls, and swimming pools, I'm not your answer. So I called out the elephant in the room. That was all part of my strategy. When everyone else in the fitness space was sitting here in this big bowl, I always tell people, look, you got to separate yourself from the herd. You got to separate yourselves. You got to have the courage to step away, stand up on that mountaintop, wave your arms and say, look at me. I'm not the same as them. Okay. You got to have the courage to do that because careful what you wish for. If everybody turns and looks at you and your product is that doesn't scream value, you just wrote your own death sentence. Okay. But for me, my hunch was right. I said, look at me. I'm different. Yes, you're exactly right. I don't have swimming pools. I don't have climbing walls. I don't have childcare. But I've got a wide array, great diversity of cardio equipment, great strength, great free weight selectorized equipment. My clubs are open 24 hours a day. You belong to one, you belong to a mall. And I tell you what, come and try my club for two weeks free. No obligation to do anything. If I can't deliver on my promise, if you don't see value, what have you lost? You just simply walk out the door. You're not committed to anything. It was hard to say no to it, okay? Well, here's the reality. When I gave people a two-week pass, I gave them an incentive. If you like what you see and you think you might want to join, if you join before your pass expires, I'll give you a, a discount on your first month's dues, right? So I got them in my door with free, and then I gave them an additional discount to get them to commit, all right? And look, here's the reality. I sold enough memberships in the first 90 days to cash flow my business for the year. No joke. Wow. That's what, you know, and the first club I built, I built it in a larger market. It performed fantastic. Yeah. The second club I built in a mid-sized market, the unit level economics were exactly the same. The last club I built was in a little town, 3,500 people. I thought, there's no way this is going to work. Town, <laughs> it was literally a one-stop light town, but here's the reality. My rent was $1,000 a month, and that included utilities, okay? Well, it worked. I remember when I had all three of those clubs open, it took me about a year to open all three of those clubs. I knew 
They all perform the same well, unit level economics. When that happened, I knew I had a tiger by the tail. Literally, I knew that what I had was special and it was my opportunity to seize. And that's exactly what I did. Is, so is that after that first year and you had kind of three different data points of proof of concept, is that when you said, hey, let's franchise the heck out of this thing? Yep. I said, look, and to my credit, keep in mind, 20 years prior, I had those clubs. I sold them. I had about $3 million of cash sitting in my bank account, okay? So I had $3 million of cash. I started Snap Fitness with literally about 300000 cash, okay? I started it with 300000 cash. That's what I used to get the ball rolling, all right? So, and one of the first things I had to do was file my FDD, do all the legal work. And I went with the best in the business. I didn't cut corners, okay? Because I said, look, if I have what I think I have, I'm not going to build this on a foundation of glass. I'm going to build this with great foundation. Legally, all the points need to be included in the document. I got to have control of this concept, control of my franchisees, because it's never a good business to let the inmates run the asylum. You got to have controls and systems and processes in place. That's exactly what I did. You know, I did that part flawlessly and literally within five years from that filing my franchise agreement within five years, my company was valued at $100 million. Holy crap. So oh, let's talk about the, the the rocket ship then. I'm curious really at a personal level and professional, honestly. I mean, because that's life-changing for you financially. I mean, you are already obviously doing pretty well for yourself, but that's a whole nother level we're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I think especially professionally, I think it is really the impressive part because this happens quite often and there's no shame in it per se, but sometimes folks start a company, you know, they're good founders, they're good at getting from zero to one, but to evolve with your company as it scales and grows and it becomes more of a, you know, an enterprise, you know, the CEO role requires more. And there are often times where companies actually outgrow their founders and the founders step aside and bring in kind of like a pro to take it to the next level because they kind of wave the white flag and say, hey, I I've done all I could. This company's, you know, gotten bigger than I ever thought it could, but you stayed on the whole time. So, you know, did you kind of feel just ready for it or were there pains and growing pains where you were kind of trying to just hold on and, and kind of drink through the fire hose? Well, you know what? I mean, it's part of my makeup is, you know, I've got a little bit of OCD. So my attention to details is incredible. And then I got a little ADD as well. So I can multitask like a crazy man. Okay. So I got multitasking capabilities off the charts and a little OCD. So I don't leave things unchecked. Right. So for me, systems, processes, and balance are critical to success. And then store performance. Obviously, the stores have got to perform. In franchising, if your stores are not performing, you're not going to sell a lot of franchises. You need validation in the field. So that's what I focused on. And honestly, I created an unbelievable process of system and processes. And think of it this way. You know, if you had a football team, the team works together to win games, but everyone has a specific job. And if you take that mindset from sports into business, it'll serve you well. In my perspective, I hired people and they were responsible for a role. And myself as the head coach, it's my job to, number one, mentor them, but number two, teach them how to be great and teach them how to stay in their lane. It's very difficult for some people that think they have to watch on everyone else's, what everyone else is doing. Look, it's great to have transparency, 
But many cases early on in the growth of my brands was telling them, hey, look, you don't need to worry about what they're doing. You focus on your job, your responsibility. I'm going to handle them. You focus on you. Okay. And what it did, it helped keep people in check. You're not the boss of anyone else other than the boss of the division that I put you in. Okay. Now, once I had those channels in place, as I started ramping up, I put more human capital into each channel. Okay. Now, my fourth year of starting Snap Fitness, I opened 377 stores in one year. Okay. Think about that. I was opening more than one health club a day. Okay. I'm not talking about signing 377 leases. I'm talking about 377 health clubs opening with people walking through the door buying memberships. Okay. I mean, that's pretty freaking incredible. I don't think anyone in the history of fitness, other than curves, and that doesn't count, nobody <laughs> brands, no one has built brands to 377 in a year of a co-ed, full-fledged product like that. No way. That's some serious volume. I've studied a lot of different franchise growth curves and even like international master franchises. You know, there's a big McDonald's franchisee from Japan who I mean, they opened like three stores a week for like two years straight, but 377 in a year, that's just, yeah, it's a different level. That's very impressive. I mean, you have to have your systems down to even be able to think, to be able to pull something like that off. So that's, I mean, hats off to you. That's incredible. It's, it's also great people. I mean, let's face it. I all the time, look, I've had the good fortune. I've been in business for 35 years and franchising for 25 now, but I've had the good fortune of working with some amazing, incredible people. You know, I'm, I've launched three other brands now. This I'm in the process of launching my fourth brand. And even that brand, you know, an acai bowl concept, I've, in two years, I've awarded 171 territories. I've opened 52 stores. I've got 59 stores actively under construction as we speak. There's no one growing the acai concept faster than we are right now. It's not a race, but these stores, they're performing. The franchisees are happy. And it's relevant in what the consumer is looking for. And that's critical in any business that you start. How does franchising an easy-to-scale, always-in-demand business with affordable, low startup costs beginning at $85,000 and all the business support and coaching you'll need to succeed sound? Home Clean Heroes is a residential cleaning franchise dedicated to improving the community around them by donating a portion of their profits to support first responders. With extensive training resources and employee support, you'll have all the help you need to succeed. Interested in learning more about Home Clean Heroes' mission-based franchising model? Visit homecleanheroesfranchise.com to learn more. That's homecleanheroesfranchise.com. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about nautical bowls because I, I believe that's what you're referencing. They came on my radar very early on when there was just a few locations in Minnesota. And I remember I covered them in my, in my newsletter, Great Unit Economics, from those first two corporate locations. So I was, I've been tracking the brand since. And, you know, I guess for you, I'm curious. I know you transitioned out of Snap Fitness, I think around, you know, 2018, 2019-ish. You know, what caught your eye specifically from nautical bowls? with the, that found, I believe it was a couple, right, that founded it, you know, for you to come in and really kind of like what I said before, you're helping elevate them, take it really to the next level. So yeah. And especially just being, spending so much of your career in fitness to jump into food concept, right? Just a different, 
bit of a different operating model with the labor and the type of labor potentially. So yeah, what really inspired you to back this brand? Well, you know what? When I stepped away from Lyft Brands, it was, I wanted to see what else is out there for one. Once it became public that I was no longer working within Lyft Brands, in other words, hands-on with Lyft Brands, one of the first calls I got was with Forbes. I'm a Forbes Masterclass instructor, and I've been doing that for about four years now. But being a Forbes consultant, and then with my background being an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, that's a pretty steep validation, pretty steep pedigree, if you will, on my business acumen. And literally one day, as I told you earlier, I spent about eight months of the year in Miami. I spent four months of the year in Minnesota where I grew up. And I was at my lake home, actually right in this seat. One day, a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago now, my phone rings. And it's a couple of kids. It's, you know, Rachel and Brian Amundsen, okay? And they just said, hey, Peter, we heard a lot about you, read about you. And to our surprise, you live like a mile and a half from us. We have a couple of acai bowl stores and we're thinking about expanding, you know, adding some stores around Minnesota. We, we just love to get your opinion on the business. I love talking to young entrepreneurs, right? I think it's a dying breed. Hell, I had them to my house the next day. And as I looked at their business over a cup of coffee, you know, condensing this story down, my yeah. recommendation, I said, hey, look, if it were me, I told them if it were me, I would franchise this concept. You need to change some things. But that's what I would do. I would franchise this concept. They got back to me and they said, look, we don't know anything about franchising. You know, would you help us? And I said, look, I'll help you, but here's the rules. We're going to be equal partners and I run the company. Okay. That's very, very important for any of you out there that are, that you have the knowledge and you're going to get into a business of helping someone fly, helping someone really soar. Because if you don't have control of the company, every time you want to make a turn, every time you want to make a pivot in the business, which is the right thing to do. You got a couple of people chirping in your ear, questioning everything you do. So for me, and these two, you know what? What I like about Rachel and Brian, and Brian's more involved than Rachel. Rachel's, you know, busy chasing after their three small kids, but they're very coachable, okay? And, you know, they know that the final say is my say. And to be honest with you, I told them early on too. I said, look, this is either going to be the best decision you've ever made in your life, or it's going to suck. It's going to be one of <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be one of, and honestly, if it sucks, I'll give you my equity back because it's not worth my time, right? And they made the right bet. I mean, today we have 171 territories awarded. We've got 52 stores open. We're opening three to five new stores every month. And the product, we've made some changes to the product, some changes to the business. We've simplified the business. We've dummied it down. And that's what our franchisees love about it. There's not a lot of moving parts. And the best part of it is, now that we have growth, this is where experience pays dividends because I'm driving food costs down, vertical integration, all those things are absolutely critical in success. You can't do it with three or four or five stores. But when you're talking about 50 plus stores, you carry a pretty big hammer. And I realize that from all the other brands that I've grown, just the amount of leverage that I have, I drove food costs down Last year, 2022, our food cost was about 44%. Today, that same food cost is 32%. And I'll bet by the end of second quarter of next year, I'll have food costs down 25, 26%. That's a big deal. When you start talking about a store that did 600,000 in revenue, if I can find another 15 points of food cost savings, if I'm helping you drive another 10, 15,000 of profit per every 100,000 to the bottom line, 
at the end of the year when the music stops, you got an extra 50, 80,000 sitting on your bottom line. That's a game changer for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, every dollar saved is, yeah, it's a dollar of profit. So it's massive. Is that just, you know, like kind of hardball negotiating with suppliers or is there something else going on there to accomplish this? Both and not blinking. Okay. You know what? I've been negotiating for years, right? And for me, it's when I saw food costs at 44, 45%, I say this often that, look, anyone can run a company with the wind at your back. Okay. How do you drive a company with a headwind? And believe me, in 2022, it was not just nautical bowls. Anyone that was in the hospitality space, food and beverage space, was getting completely pummeled because it was just every every time you turned around, there was a fuel cost surcharge of, you know, the freaking liberal government. We had gas prices, six, seven dollars a gallon. I mean, let's face it, it was a complete shit show, right? So, and that was falling on the shoulders of every entrepreneur out there. So it prompted me to go out and I tried to buy a factory, right? You know, I swim in the deep end of the pool. So I'm not a, I didn't get into this to open 10 or 20 stores. That was never my goal. Look, I'm going to build, my bar is always set high. I want to build the largest acai bowl concept in the country, period. And if I can be the largest in the world, I'll take that too. So that's my goal. I love it. Yeah. Might as well shoot big. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Do that though. You got to be willing to put your money where your mouth is. You know, I'm willing to go buy a factory. I'm willing to produce my own store bay. If that's what it takes. And believe me, when you're moving the kind of volume that that we're doing today and you take that and multiply it by five or 10X, you could easily have your own sorbet factory. No problem. Okay. And that's where the magic happens. The magic happens when, you know, when you can get into my space and the franchisees can recognize a food cost of 25%. It's just based with the performance that our store is doing, you don't have to sell a lot of bowls to make good money. No, yeah. If the margins, especially, I mean, in any brick and mortar business, obviously are just, I mean, that's the name of the game. But yeah, if you're really kind of making significant strides in food costs for a restaurant concept, that's a game changer to say the least. And how do you think about, right? Because the acai bowl type concept you know, right? You came from the fitness world, and there's tons of gym, the fitness brands out there. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily greenfield development for those kinds of concepts. And acai bowls, right? There's other concepts out there. So, do you get involved on the almost thinking about it from the consumer angle? Meaning, you know, how can we as nautical bowls, every time we open in a new town, like, how am I going to convince these customers that this is not just your average? acai bowl place. There's an extra reason to come in. You know, How do you think about really differentiating as a concept? Look, I'm a Christian and not that matters in this context, but for me it does. I'm a Christian and I think that I've been introduced and put in places throughout my life where it's become a training ground, if you will, for my next step, my next venture. Spending 35 years in the health and wellness space, I understand the relevance of consumer behavior surrounding the parameter of eating right, and exercising, okay? That is not going away. So for me to transition from a life of in the health and fitness space, building fitness brands, transitioning into the food space, to your point, oh, zero restaurant experience, okay? But believe me, I've got a doctrine in building brands and putting systems and processes in place. So for me, I first thing I needed to do, I needed to believe in the product. 
the fact that our product, think about this, plant-based, dairy-free, gluten-free, soy-free, organic, all natural, no refined sugar. Okay. So think about that. That product is right in the wheelhouse of what consumers are looking for. You know what? It's anyone that's looking to make a pivot in their nutritional eating habits, they gravitate towards that. And I think personally in the United States, there's a bit of salad fatigue that goes on. I think salads are completely overdone. You get them anywhere. It's kind of, it's boring to be honest with you. So I think people are looking for something different. The fact that I'm plant-based, dairy-free, gluten-free, soy-free, just stop right there. The fact that it's organic, all natural products, just is just another feather in our cap. We're not dessert. We're a meal replacement. That's the other thing that I love about this product, the relevance of the product in the eyes of the consumer. It's healthy, good for you. It's a bowl of superfoods, number one. It's not dessert. Some people have it first thing in the morning. Some people have it at 10 after their workout. Some people have it for lunch. Some people have it mid-afternoon snack to tide them over before dinner. And some people have it for dinner. You're not going to go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and then swing by nautical bowls for dessert. That's not us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. You can tell from the website, the food all looks fantastic, super fresh. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense from a continuity perspective, just you know, you kind of did already the fitness side, like the actual exercise and now the diet is, of course, and, and just having, you know, eating healthy food is another aspect of that whole equation. Another point around it is is people are, many restaurants can try to do a garden to table mindset, right? We do our version of that. So the guest experience at within our stores, it's perfect. It's exactly what you want it to be. Great energy, the staff smiles easily, they lean in. And then when it comes to the product, okay, many people want peanut butter or almond butter as one of the toppings on their acai bowl. If you want peanut butter on in our stores and you know, shop any of our competitors, you want peanut butter on our stores, we're not reaching under the counter and grabbing a dollop of peanut butter and slapping it on there or taking a cake decorating tube and squeezing it on the top. We, we don't do that. We literally, we have peanut grinders. When you look behind us, we got a glass display. The only thing in there is peanuts. Almonds, we have another glass display, nothing in it but almonds. So if you want peanut butter, we grind the peanuts right in front of you. You're getting the freshest peanut butter, the freshest almond butter that you could ever imagine. It's made right before your eyes. That's the experience. That's the guest experience that our customers are looking for, okay? They want fresh. And as I tell people, as I tell our franchisees, look, if you're looking for a $7 bowl, we're not your answer. We have no desire to be the Kmart of the acai bowl space. We are going to deliver a great bowl. And here's what's beautiful. When you put us against every one of our competitors out there, the fact of the sheer volume and our, where our food cost is, we're priced the same or lower than any of our competitors and we're delivering a better product. It's great stuff. It's amazing. I, lo I love the sound of the fresh peanut butter and almond butter too. So. I'll have to uh, scope out a location and get a taste. Well, in looking, and you kind of gave us a, a little bit of a sneak peek at your goals, but, you know, for you thinking just for nautical bowls and maybe even beyond that, if that's on your mind at all, it sounds like your current like North Star is you think this really has the potential to be a, at a minimum the biggest acai bowl concept in America and potentially even, you know, globally. Well, look. We're already at 171 awarded locations. I've got some deals coming in by within the next two weeks, I'll probably be at 178 locations. So if we don't sell another franchise 
I don't sell another franchise and I just open what's in front of me. We're going to be in the top 10% of any acai bowl concept that's ever been created in terms of size and volume. Okay. Here's what's amazing is we'll have done that in less than three years from the idea to today. Okay. Nobody is growing at that pace. Look, what once again, it doesn't come to me as any surprise. This is exactly what I planned. I love it when the vision and the reality are closely matched. And this is an exciting concept. And most importantly, our franchisees are benefiting from it. I love nothing more than helping people find their way to financial freedom, whatever that looks like through their lens. And that's part of what our franchisees get with me. Look, I've got you know a wealth of experience in growing brands, but other also just personal financing, personal wealth management. Some of our franchisees own other businesses. As I said, 80% of our franchisees are semi-absentee owners. They didn't quit their day job. So many of them converse back to me and say, hey, look, Peter, I'm thinking about exiting my company. If you were me, how would you do it? And that's the added value that I bring because I have such a broad breadth of perspective from being in business in the trenches for 35 years. I've had two major exits with my brands. As I said, I'm still the single largest shareholder of my three brands, but I've done full-blown exits with private equity, done the dog and pony show around the country, talking to the brands, talking to private equity, and then most importantly, executing on a successful exit. So there's not a lot of people that can say that. No, it's certainly uh, a very impressive career and uh, you're off to fantastic first few years here with Nautical Bull. So I know I'm excited to watch it continue to grow. You know, if uh, folks listening to this are interested in checking out the brand or learning more about you or both, you know, is there any good place online where they can do so and potentially reach out? Yes, of course. For me, the easiest way is just hit me on Instagram, which is Peter underscore Taunton, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. That's it. You know, and everything that I post on my Instagram, it's all business related, mindset related. Every now and then on some of my stories, I might go off on a tangent on my political beliefs or some of the nonsense that's going on in this country. I can't keep my mouth shut about that stuff. That's kind of the cowboy in me. Most people find the entertainment value in that pretty good, but that's the best way to find me. If you want to hear about Nautical Bulls, obviously just go to nauticalbulls.com and click on franchise opportunities and one of our team members will reach out to you. But we make it very easy for people to get into business. That's the other side of this. You know what? We have financing available. We finance it for up to 10 years for people. And, you know, you can get into this business. If you have 100000 cash and a net worth of 250000 we can get you approved. We can get you financed, which is very appealing for people to get into a business of this magnitude at such a low cost. That's fantastic. Yeah. Support for franchisees and prospects. So we'll plug both the Instagram and the franchise website in the show notes. So if you guys want to check out Peter's Instagram or get in touch with Nautical Bulls, you'll be able to do that pretty easily. Peter. Thanks again, and uh, hope to talk soon. No, no. Thank you. I, I appreciate this, and I'm happy to make time available for you. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. 